Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Before we start the show, I want to let you know something. My latest novel, Personal Fable, is free for the next uh, few days. So if you're hearing this ad, it's currently free if you're a Kindle user. So just look it up on your Kindle. If you don't have a Kindle, you can even get one of those for free by getting the free Kindle app on your phone. And then head over, get Personal Fable, have a read, and if you love it, leave a review. And I hope you love the story. Now, let's get on with the podcast. P.S. The promotion runs the 11th, 12th, and 13th of March. Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast late edition. I uh, accidentally messed up yesterday. <clears throat> I um, had band practice and got home a bit late, and I was thinking, well, should I do a skip day? Yeah, I think I'll do a skip day. I'll just let the guys know I'm skipping a day, and then I f- went to bed and forgot to do that. So I changed my mind. I thought rather than do a skip day, I'll just do the podcast late. So here we are. Um, history time, says Swim. The Irish Agricultural Organisation Society was an agricultural association in Ireland which advocated and helped to organise agricultural cooperatism, including mutual credit facilities. Um, uh, yeah, it's not that... Uh, oh, okay. I was going to say, it's not much of a fun fact. But you didn't say fun fact. You just said history. Although officially apolitical, the IRS became associated with the Irish Home Rule Movement. Okay, so they got politicised. Favourite lines. Years ago, the idea of cooperation overtook Plunkett in America. He had seen cooperation at work in America and had read a book about it in America or had spoken to somebody in America or had dreamed of a dream in America. Um, Plunkett's time in America, threatened by lung trouble, blah, blah, blah. Went back to Ireland. I don't know. I don't even know who Plunkett is, to be honest. I know I probably just read about him for... Half an hour, but uh, the writing in this book is so boring that it doesn't matter what he says. I do not absorb it. I just don't absorb it. Like, if you're going to say something interesting to me, phrase it in a sentence which is interesting so I take interest in it and absorb it. Uh, anyway, here we go. Next bit of the chapter. I think I know somebody, Yeats answered, who might suit you. Plunkett and Anderson forthwith lent their ears to the story of a young man, a poet, who was at present earning his living as a consultant in Pims. A poet accountant sounds well, Plunkett mur- muttered, and looked at Anderson, and Anderson nodded significantly. And Yeats murmured some phrase about beautiful verses and seemed to lose himself. But Anderson woke up and said, tell us about this young man. Why do you think he would suit us? Well, said Yeats, this person, this, his personal influence pervades the whole shop, for the smallest clerk up to the manager and the all the go to him when he passes. Plunkett and Anderson looked across the table at each other and Yeats went on to tell a story how a young man had never do well had once seen A.E. crossing from one desk to another with some papers in his hand and had gone to him saying something tell us you tell me tell something tells me you are a man who may redeem me. Plunkett and Anderson frowned a little for they foresaw a preacher and Yeats guessing what was in Anderson's mind said well what will surprise you is that he never preaches. The influence he exercises is entirely involuntary. He told the young man that if he came around to see him, he would introduce him to new friends. And the young man came and heard a talking, and thenceforth beat his wife no more. Forswore the public house, and is now an admirable member of society. There was no further doubt in the minds of Plunkett and Anderson that A.E. was the man they wanted. Plunkett sent him an invitation to come to see him, and they all they saw a tall... Thin man, overflowing with wild humour, the ends of his eyes went up, and he seemed to them like a kindly satyr, something that had not yet experienced civilization. for the first stipulation was that he should have not received more than three pounds a week, 
No man's work, according to him, was worth more. He would need a bicycle, and on being pressed, he accepted the present of one, and he rode through Ireland, preaching the doctrine of cooperation and dairy farming from village to village, winning friends to the movement by the personal magnetism that he exercises where he goes. As soon as he arrived... In a village, everybody's heart became a little warmer, a little friendlier, the sensation of isolation and loneliness, which all human beings feel, thawed a little. Everybody must have felt happier the night that the kindly man mounted a platform, threw back his long hair, and began to talk to them, giving them shrewd advice and making them feel that he loved them and that they were not unworthy of his love. The only house in the poor village in which he could lodge would be the priest's house and the lonely village priest who does not meet a friend with, with whom he can exchange an idea once every three months would spend a memorable evening with A.E. The priests in the village have little bookshelves among their rooms, and A.E. would go to these shelves and find a book that had no interest to the priest. Since the enthusiasm of his youth had died down, he would open the book and read passages and awaken the heart of the priest. In the morning, the old bicycle would be brought out, and A.E. would go, and the priest, I am sure, would looked after him, sorry that he was going. Protestants, Catholics, Presbyterians, Methodists, all united in loving A.E., Although other things might be wrong. Sorry, I've got a baby grumpy in the background. One thing was right. A.E. and they followed him. Captivated by the tune, he plays on his pipes, and before the year was out, the year was out, the skeleton that was Plunkett's and the flesh and the muscles that were Anderson's began to stir. The watchers called to each other. Anderson, see, it has shifted its leg. Plunkett, see, it has moved an inch. Life is creeping out over it. From the crown of its head to the soles of its feet. In other words, creameries were springing up in every part of the country and then Plunkett conceived again. He was a member for South Dublin and the friendliest terms was the unionist government. He so had no difficulty in forming a committee to inquire into what had been done on the continent for the, for the coordination of the state and voluntary action. Mem- many members of the committee were members of parliament. The committee met during recess and was called the recess committee. Oh, that is so interesting and cool, man. I love the recess committee. As well as I remembered, Gil's beard was being trimmed in France. Oh, whoa! Wait a... We're talking about a beard being trimmed right now? Whoa! What the party? Oh, this book just never gets less interesting. Oh, wait up. Sorry. I didn't read the rest of the sentence. As well as I remember. This is just just his memories, guys. Gil's beard was being trimmed in France while the recess committee was forming. So, while the recess committee, members of parliament were forming, Gil... And, hey, this is just a memory, guys, so don't don't get carried away. But Gil's beard was being trimmed. I am done for today. I think I might have popped a gasket of some kind. Uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow.